0: What I'd like to do is share something with you. And if you will notice the title of the sermon, it is called The Three Ds. What would you think that this would be? What do you think I'm trying to cover here, the three Ds? Well, what I'm gonna do is have you think as I preach and see what conclusion you come to, and I will refer to it in a very short time. Did you know that some time ago, there was an American Airlines flight, which was numbered 139. It took off from the LAX Airport International, and was on its way for Honolulu, And uh, believe it or not, from LAX all the way to Hawaii across the Pacific Ocean, it is 2,400 miles. Aboard the flight were a group of passengers. There were some businessmen, there were wealthy people, there were some poor people, there housewives. And some people were highly educated, and some were just average people. And they were all on their way to Hawaii, to what they called a paradise, to the islands. And that, were their, that was their ultimate destiny. And they finally reached the cruising altitude of 35,000 feet <coughs> when all at once the light went on <coughs> And here is what came through the speaker. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for flying with American Airlines. I want to inform you of the conditions of our morning flight. I have both good news and bad news. The good news is that we have acquired a strong tailwind, giving us some extra speed, and we're gaining time. The bad news is the navigational system has failed us and we cannot determine our direction. Which means, and you fly a lot, right? You know what that means. It means that looking for that little island of Hawaii and the airport there, which means that if they don't know what direction they're going, they're gonna miss it, which means they're gonna make a crash landing somewhere either in the ocean or some island that they may see. So without a doubt, they are in trouble. No matter who's on the plane, the wealthy and the poor, educated, common people, all of them, are in trouble. And individually, there's nothing they can do about it. It all depends on the pilot and the co-pilot or whoever else is there to do the engineering. I think you and I are very happy that we were not on that plane. But you know something? There's something very similar about that airplane going at the cruising altitude, flight number 139, to this world. Because we are traveling through space right now at over 66,000 miles per hour. All the people upon this earth are going through space at 66,000 miles an hour and probably a little bit more. Just as those people on flight 139 faced a tragic event as they were flying unless the problem with their navigation system is somehow corrected. So we too face a very similar predicament where you and I are on the way. But one of the things that is important and is different, as individuals in that airlines, they couldn't do anything about it. But at this flight, you and I, and do something about it. They had no choice. We have a choice. On our Earth flight through space, our destiny is in our own hands. Our destiny is in our own hands. That's the way it is. It should cause us as Christians a real concern, because eternal destiny, Is something that you and I have a choice. And yet, as we look through people upon the face of this earth, so many of them are as if to say it doesn't really matter. It just seems like it's going to be a surprise one way or another. So here we are, facing with a very delicate decision of destiny. That's the three Ds delicate decision of destiny. You and I, upon the face of this earth, some people, upon the face of this earth, will choose a destiny where it doesn't matter because they don't know any better and don't care to know other people who know that there's a heaven, and they could choose heaven through the plans that God has for us in the scriptures, And as we read with the scripture reading, and you read it, there's only one way, and that is God's way. You know, it's rather interesting that there is, and has been, there was a big debate regarding intelligent design and the atheistic evolution. And uh, the difference between the two is one is just a chance. The other is a choice. You and I have a choice. When one rejects what we find in the Bible here, in Genesis, the first few words where it says, In the beginning, God, when we reject that, or we don't care to learn more about it, there's all kinds of non-reasonable type of events and beliefs that transpire because we don't believe in God anymore, then everything goes wild in choosing whatever other philosophy or belief that we have. And that's why there's so many, 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 many various beliefs upon the face of this earth, even among presidents. I mean, among, among Protestants, there are all kinds of beliefs, that is not biblical, all because they do not believe fully that in the beginning, God created everything. And the way he has created them It's very important. That's why if we can look back in 1 John 5, 11 to 13, and look at what you read for our scripture reading, and we look at it again, it says, and this is the record that God has given us Eternal life. That's the record. God has given us eternal life. God gave Adam and Eve eternal life. They sinned, and he immediately went into action to make sure that they still have eternal life if they believe and trust in him. And all the people that have been ever born through Adam and Eve and through our parents have the same choice, and that is they are given eternal life. The real question is, will they take it or won't they? So they have been given that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that had the son has life. Just that simple. And he that has not the son of God has not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Is it trying to tell us here that you have the right to know while you're here whether you have eternal life or not? That's what it's saying. Sure, it is conditional that you remain faithful to God, but that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. That's a record. That's what it says. And this is the record that God has given us eternal life. So eternal life is not based on some kind of a chance or some kind of a philosophy, it's based on choice. And people have to make decisions, choices. And Elwin, you were right when you said on how we could poison our bodies not to be functioning the best. We can actually poison our mind not to think the best and not to choose the right choices. So that choice is ours to make, whether we want eternal life or not. It is not a choice based on theory, but it's based on a person according to what we just read. And that person is none other than Jesus Christ. I'm just wondering if there is a way of having some kind of piece of literature that makes people realize head on that they have to make a decision whether they want eternal life or not. They have to make a decision whether they believe in God Almighty that created heaven and earth. Whether they have to truly believe and honestly know that for God so loved them that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's only through Jesus Christ that they can have everlasting life. Is there a way to somehow wake people up and realize how important that is? And to think that even when God gave the Ten Commandments, he said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember. So we have every six days, the seventh, the Sabbath, and God still says, remember the seventh day to keep it holy. So you and I are faced with the same situation. Jesus informed those listening to him that the quality life that is eternal can be found in the scriptures and the scriptures alone. They had the scriptures, but his message was not abiding in them. In fact, John 5:38 to 40, to kind of summarize it and still read some of it, it says, do you, do you not have the word abiding in you for whom the Father has sent you? Believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are that testify of me but you will not come to me that you may have eternal life. Even the people in olden days, they searched the scriptures. We're going to have Christmas coming very shortly. The birth of Christ. And they searched the scriptures, but they never truly understood that it is not searching the scriptures that makes a difference. It is finding that God so loved the world that he gave, and when Jesus was born, the people were to accept him as their savior. And nowadays, Christmas is coming with commercialism going full speed. They still don't really understand fully how God loved each one of us. So when you and I are faced with some choices, The more we know the Bible and the more we're led by God's Holy Spirit, the more we'll make a choice that will be an eternal choice. And it's a series of steps that sometimes we have to choose. Finding the way to our destination of eternal life is very important. The most vivid example of God's willingness to guide us to our eternal destiny is found in the experience of Israel's God-directed journey from Egypt, the Egyptian bondage that they went through, to Canaan's freedom. And you have heard sermons, you have read so much about it, and it's amazing how in Exodus 33, 13 to 14, it says so much of Moses who sought God's guidance to show him the way to Canaan's rest. And you and I are tired. And we appreciate rest. But I think you and I will appreciate more the rest of being changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, and be assured of eternal life and have the rest that God originally planned for Adam and Eve. And then we will have that rest. In fact, in Exodus, we're told, 33, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, and consider that this nation is thy people. And God said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give you rest. People in bondage, people on their way to Canaan, land, place of freedom and rest. And here God said, I will lead you. I will guide you. I will give you rest. Just trust me. Just trust me. So the journey from slavery to freedom depended on their willingness to follow God's leading. That's what it all depended on. On their own, they could never reach the rest and fulfill the promise that God had for them. In fact, he assured Moses, God assured Moses, something very interesting. My presence shall go with thee and I will give you rest. God is present here right now he wants you to have that rest that assurance of eternal life as israel was to trust in god's presence and in his leading so you and i have to trust in him and only him so god's purpose in their deliverance and final rest is very evident in deuteronomy 26:19 to make you high above all nations which he has made in praise and name and honor that you may be a holy people unto the Lord your God. Holy people. God made the promise. You make the choice. And God wants you to be holy because it's not just an accident that you're going to be in heaven. You will know whether you are ready for heaven or not. There's no question about it. When you think of the children of Israel and what they went through, it's interesting that, uh, sure, they had all the food, they had all the water, and uh, they had good leaders, and they were good people, but not very many people, if any, just two, that really entered the Promised Land. Let let me share with you something that's found in uh, that I may know him, the book that Alan White wrote, page 131. And I want you to listen very carefully because that will help us to sort of gel or sort of make sure that we know that there's only one way to get to heaven from what I read from the scriptures, and then we'll just elaborate on it a little bit. It says, the ethics... And calculated by the gospel, acknowledge no standard but the perfection of God's mind. God's will. God requires from his creatures conformity to his will. Remember, I read the portions about the children of Israel? It was all God's way or no way. We think sometimes we can manage it. No, we can't. Imperfection of character is sin. And sin is a transgression of the law. All righteous attributes of character dwell in God as a perfect, harmonious whole. It's all in God. He created us with the power of choice, where they can choose his perfection, or our own perfection, which is as filthy rags. Everyone who receives Christ as his personal savior is privileged to possess these attributes. This is the science of holiness. Can you imagine you and me having the privilege to possess all these attributes that God has? And you say, how could it be? Well, God made us in his image to begin with. And now he's trying to restore us back to his image. Let me read a little further. Through his son, God has revealed the excellency to which man is capable of attaining. Through his son. Through the merits of Christ, man is lifted from his depraved state, purified and made more precious than the gold wedge of Orpher. It is possible for him to reflect the image of Christ, shining even in the bright splendor of the eternal throne, it is his privilege to have faith that through the posure of Christ, he shall be made immortal. Can you imagine you and me through Christ and his grace and righteousness are made immortal? You know what immortal really means? that you and I are going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever in perfect health, perfect mind. Every sense that we have, eye, ear, sense of touch, you name it, all the senses will be perfect, perfect, perfect. When you really think of it, it's, it's a real blessing. Let me read to you what we find in July 30, 1902 in the Science of the Times, way back there. There's a statement that read as follows. If the invitations given now are refused, if we persist in disobedience, we shall have no second probation Now, while it is called today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart, lest it be the last invitation of mercy. That's serious. Very serious. In fact, that's why in Hebrews 3.14, it says, hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Confidence in God and only God. It's rather interesting that on July the 7th, 1902, just before that, the one that I just read, there's another quote that says, Christ calls for wholehearted, fearless disciples, men and women who are ready to follow whatever and wherever he leads the way. This requires thorough conversion. If Christ is to be served, a large number of us would be willing to serve him and have that true conversion forever. So when we look at the wonderful gospel that we have, we can be thankful that we can be made to last forever and ever. In fact, in Hebrews 4, 1 and 2, it says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. That somehow we do not have the rest that God promises us. Any of you should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. The gospel is to go into all the world as a witness. So here the people in the wilderness for 40 years they learned so much and yet so few really believed in him. We are not to come short at all. In fact we are to be physically fit to have eternal rest. We are to be healthy we are to have no pain we are to have good relationships and we are to have life itself that will never 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 end that is what god is planning for each one of us it's rather interesting that as we look at the scriptures and particularly the verse that we have read we know that there's some similarity between the sabbath day that god has given us and the rest he wants us to have and salvation, which is the rest that we will have throughout eternity with no more sorrow, no more pain, no more temptations. We're gonna be in a perfect place as God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in a perfect place. So the only thing that I can see clearly from the scriptures is that Christ and his way is the only way. He's the one that will guide us to the right destiny, eternal life. And he's the one who said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. So you and I can consider ourselves fortunate that we weren't on flight 139 going to Hawaii, those islands. Navigation system failed. And yet we have a system here, navigation system that doesn't fail, cannot fail because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And as we come to him and through his righteousness, Our destination is what? Eternal life. It's heaven. Let us bow our heads and pray that God will bless us to make the right choices and to be faithful and true forever and ever throughout eternity. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to you that First of all, we were not on flight 139. Secondly, that we are on this earth, speeding through space at 66 plus thousand miles per hour. And we know that this earth will eventually be burned up, cleansed. We pray that our destiny will be at that time in heaven where we will see the mystery of godliness and how you will have purified each one of us to have eternal life and to be in heaven. And this earth being cleansed, and then we will see you recreate again in the beginning, God created and we will see the creation that you will make restoring this earth back. And we pray that each one of us, even here on this earth, will be faithful and true and will make the right decisions and help us to also help those that our lives touch, our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, our neighbors and friends, that they too will understand that it's their choice To accept Jesus as the one by God that was sent to this earth to give us eternal life. We may make that choice and help others to do likewise. For we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.